I'm preaching through Romans. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5. I've told you before, but lest you forget, Romans chapter 5 uh, is a part of uh, the book of Romans. We call it a book. It's actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul. As he was trying to get the gospel to Spain, he desperately wanted to preach the gospel where it had not been preached before. Spain was a prime mission field for him, and in order for him to get there, he needed the help of some churches. He needed the help of some fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So he wrote this letter to explain himself, his beliefs, his doctrine to this church, hoping to visit them. And to then use that as a launching point to carry the gospel into Spain. So he has written, again, what I've called, uh, not unique to me, but what some have called the uh, fifth gospel of the New Testament. And when you get into Romans, I'm just going to tell you, you get into some deep stuff. And, and we're starting to get into some deeper stuff. Today I want to finish... Romans chapter 5, and, and I want you to understand a little bit of structure of where I'm going. I get a lot of encouragement when I read in something like Romans, and he starts sort of chasing a rabbit. It helps a preacher to know other preachers before him did that. Now, all y'all just say, oh, me, and shake your heads, but it does my heart good. So I want us today... We're going to read verse 12 and then skip down to verse 18 because I think 12 and 18 are this one thought. I've entitled that consideration. I try to, you know, give you some words and some, uh, some outlines and try to put some meat on the bone when we get together. But that's really his consideration. Then he's going to come back. He, after 12, he goes to 13, what we call 13, and, and it's explanation. And then we come at the last, and it's proliferation of some things. And when we come to the end today, I think it's going to be clear. Two ways, two paths, two choices. There's always those options in life, and we'll get there in just a minute. But I would love for you to look with me at Romans chapter 5. And I'd like to read first verse 12, and as I said, skip to verse 18, and see that sort of thought. Are you all with me? All right, y'all, look, don't, don't fade on me, okay? I need y'all to help me. So even if you're not, if I ask you to lie, tell me you're with me, just smile every now and then. Uh, it just helps my heart. And we'll be done before you know it, I promise. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, and here he's explaining the issue, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We've read that before. And so this particular section, he's still making the point, we're sinners, we're lost, we're struggling. So he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. Skip down to verse 18. Therefore... As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. 
That is the consideration. That is the issue. That is the thing about which we're talking. And the first thing that I think we should consider with Paul this morning is the entrance of sin. Sin entered the world through one man. I believe, you believe, we believe, all God's children believe the Bible. We preach the Bible. And the Bible tells us that the first man was Adam. God uh, created this world. He created Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. And Adam, the first man who lived with Eve, his wife, is the one through whom sin came into this world. Now, some of you say, well, what about Eve? Well, here's your quick little sermon. God holds the man ultimately responsible. The man's the leader of the home. And so, yes, she sinned, but Adam sinned. And ultimately, he's responsible. So the Bible says sin entered the world through one man. What about Satan? He had a role in this. Yes, Satan tempted them, but they sinned. So sin, that which separates you and me from God, that which when you and I live act contrary to God's laws, God's heart, His desire, His intention for our lives, sin came into the world. Now, when he says the world, he doesn't mean the globe, he doesn't mean earth, he means it came into humanity. Sin came into the world, into humanity through one man, Adam. And here, the Bible doesn't talk about a specific sin, it talks about Sin, as it is sin in its totality, it came into the world. Let me remind you, what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. The, the, the New Testament word, hamartia, was used of archers. And when they shot their arrow and missed the target, it says they sinned. They missed the mark. And so every time that you and I have a thought... An action, anytime you and I act on that which is natural to us, which is sin, we miss the mark God has for us. So sin is missing the mark. When, when you and I are not what God wants us to be, what does he want us to be? The Bible says, be holy as I'm holy. It's a great standard, but it's one we can't match. But every time you and I are not holy, we are missing the mark, therefore we sin. So sin entered the world, but... Consider also the effects of sin. According to what we read in Romans 5 today, death came. Now, when you and I hear death, we think physical death. The death of a, of a loved one, the death of an animal, something that you and I know. We think physical death, but the Bible here is not talking about physical death. The reason why I know that is because the Bible makes clear, for all have sinned. So you and I here today, we have this sin nature. We are sinners, but we're all alive today. At least most of you, I think, are. So clearly he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about a spiritual death that we all have. It is almost as if, if you'll allow me to use this analogy, that we are contaminated upon birth with a disease, the disease being sin. Now, I told you last week, sin is not just what we do. Sin is who we are. No one ever had to teach anybody else how to sin. We are born into it. And sin entered the world through one man, Adam. It entered the world. There are effects of sin, but also that 
those effects, they spread. Here it says death spread, like diseases spread. Unless you've had your head in the sand, you should know our whole world is getting tense because there is a new virus that has jumped off of a snake onto a human in China. That'll teach them to go shopping for snakes. And when I wrote this, it was 20 million people who they were trying to contain. This morning, there's 56 million people they're trying to contain in a particular province in China. That disease is spreading. The disease, if you'll allow me to say it that way, of sin spreads. How? Well, you and I are born. And you and I have this sin nature. And then you and I sin. And the next generation sins, and the next generation sins. And so the Bible says that as a result of that, we are all condemned. Now, before you ask, we are all guilty. Why are we guilty? Because Adam was guilty. You say, well, I shouldn't be guilty because of what that one man did. Then you're really going to struggle when you hear there's only one way of salvation, and it's through the man Jesus. It's one man who can satisfy what the other one man did for us. So there is the entrance of sin. There's the effects of sin. But there's going to be news today about the elimination of sin. And it is the grace of God. So, so that is the consideration, if you'll allow me to say it that way. Verse 12 and 18, here's the issue. Sin entered the world through one man, and as a result of that, we're all guilty. Now, for the sake of this sermon, this is going to be my sin side. Now, y'all don't read into that. It's not because I'm picking on any of you in particular, but this is my sin side. This is my Adam side right here. Over here is going to be the Jesus side. Y'all seem real excited about that. Appreciate that enthusiasm. We're going to do the wave next week, just... See who's better at it, you dead sinners or you, well, never mind. So I'm going to go back and forth. So this is my Adam side, this is my Jesus side, this is my sin side, this is my life side, or death side, life side. I've done it three times now, and I should have worn a Fitbit. I'm not getting any credit for all the walking I'm doing this morning. It's killing me. But that was the consideration. We got a sin problem. So here comes the explanation. And for that, we go to verse 13 and read through verse 17. It is wordy. It gets into the weeds a little bit. But I think we can find clarity together by the help of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 13, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin was not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many." And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. 
For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is what I called the chasing of the rabbit, the sidetrack. Now, I'm not saying it's unimportant. I believe it very is very important. It's just that 12 and 18 complete a thought, and in between them is this explanation. And the explanation is Paul making some observations. He's contrasting things. He's contrasting the degree of the damage, the degree of the hurt, the degree of the pain. When I say degree, you may think a lot of different things. You go to a particular school, you get this degree or that degree. You get a a fever, how many degrees has my temperature gone up? What I'm talking about here is the extent. And so Paul is contrasting the degree, the extent of the damage done by one versus the glorious work of another. He makes plain that the work of Jesus Christ as it relates to grace is of a greater degree than the work of Adam. Adam over here in sin had an effect on humanity. What's the effect? Well, sin entered the world. You and I are declared guilty because of that. Jesus over here, he also does a work. What is the degree of what he does? It is far greater than the degree of that damage. Jesus' work is far greater. His grace is far more superior. So Paul is contrasting degree, but he's also contrasting consequence. Those verses are this if-then consequence. And you understand consequences, many of you do, because you've been entrusted with children. And you've told your children till you are blue in the face, if you disobey me, I will punish you. You've looked your child in the eye and you've said, if you do this, I'm going to do that. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, this will happen. We adults understand consequences as well. Sometimes the doctor will write you a prescription. Take this prescription. What happens if you don't take the prescription? You have a problem. There are laws that are expressed for us. If you break that law, here are the consequences. Are y'all with me? Good, y'all, that's good. Some of y'all are lying, but I appreciate it. So here's the deal. Paul is making the case that Adam's act brought with it certain consequences. Jesus' act brought certain consequences. Those are laid out in verse 15, 16, and 17. The first one that he says, the gift is not like the trespass. The gift of grace is not like the trespass of sin. The nature of the actions were different. Adam, remember my sin side, he sinned. Why? He was selfish. He chose his own way. He said, I know better. It's just like you and I when we sin today. The Holy Spirit will tell us that is sin. You ought not do it. And yet we choose our own way. 
So he's talking here about the trespass. But the trespass is not like the gift. What is the gift? Jesus acting very differently than Adam. Jesus was not selfish. He was selfless. He gave, thinking not of himself like Adam did, thinking of you and me. The gift is not like the trespass. When you get to verse 16, he says, The gift is not like the result of one man's sin. Here again are consequences. With Adam, he sinned. As a result of sin, you and I are born in sin. As a result of being born in sin, we sin. As a result of our sin, we are condemned. As a result of our condemnation, we are guilty. So verse 16, in this contrast, he says, With Adam, God's judgment came and brought condemnation. But with Jesus, who did not sin, who went to the cross selflessly, sacrificially, this gift is not like the trespass. The results of this are far better than the results of that. Are you all with me? I'm getting me a Fitbit. Verse 17, the one man, Adam, the other man, Jesus. This is juxtaposition. I learned that somewhere back in the back. I don't know what it means, but it fits. I'm kidding. I know what it means. Are you all okay? All right. Adam, the sinner, through whom sin entered this world, and we are all affected. He is saying in verse 17 that the man Adam is not like the man Jesus. Over here is death. Over here is life. Over here death reigns. Over here we can reign in life. So he is explaining by contrasting. We come to the final point. I'll be finished before you know it. Verses 19, 20, and 21, he talks about a proliferation, a proliferation of sin and grace. It's a good word. Romans 5, 19, 4. He's had this. Here's the explanation. Here's the consideration. Now, for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death... Grace also might reign through righteousness, doing what? Leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Two things in those three verses. The proliferation of sin. What these words tells us is that all those who are tied to Adam are sinners. If you hadn't got it by now, get it now. We're all sinners. Why? We're all tied to Adam. First man, first woman. Human race comes. We are born into that sin. And we are tied to Adam. Therefore, we are sinners. 
And as sinners, we are disobedient because we sin. We're connected to Adam. We're guilty. We have a propensity to sin. We want to sin. We enjoy sin. Sin calls us. We wrestle with the flesh. Why? We're tied to Adam. But everybody who's tied to Jesus is set free from sin. Everybody who's tied to Jesus moved from death to life. Are y'all seeing this? Everybody who was tied to Adam's guilty. Everybody who is tied to Jesus justified. Justified never sin. That's the glorious truth. But it's not just a proliferation of sinners. There's a proliferation of grace. But before we get to the good news of grace, just like a preacher... He mentions something else. He's made this point. He's made this point. He's about to drive it home. But by golly, there's something in the middle. Isn't it just like a preacher? You think they're almost finished. They'll say in closing, you'll close your Bible, rattle your keys. Sometimes we preach longer just to frustrate you. (laughs) Keys have that effect on me. I'm telling you, if I hear a key, I'll go for another 30 minutes. So he's got something else. And it's so fascinating and can be confusing. That which was in the middle. He's talked about the law. He's talked about sin. He's talked about grace. But here in the middle, the law. Now he's finished talking about Adam. Adam was used to make a point. Adam was never his great concern. His great concern is Jesus. His great concern is understanding the eternal life that is ours in Christ. But in the middle, he's got to talk about the law. And he says, the law came. And he tells us why. If you still got your Bibles, look at verse 20. Now, the law came. He's talked in verse 19 about one man's disobedience. He's talked about one man's obedience. So here, Adam, disobedience. Jesus, obedience. The many will be made righteous. Man, that's good news. You get to verse 20. Now the law came. The word in Greek means to sneak up. It's only used one other time in the Bible. Now I'm going to tell you, the law did not sneak up. That's the word he used because it just sort of showed up. We had Adam, we got Jesus, and in between we got the law. Why do we have the law? Some people will think, well, we have the law so that it can do something for us. Maybe he sent the law to prevent sin. Well, guess what? The law did not prevent sin. Did y'all know that? Some people look at it, and maybe God said, well, look how horrible things are. I've got to do something. I'll send the law. The law was not sent to prevent sin. We know that because there'd been a whole lot of sinning going on already. Adam started sinning. Everybody kept on sinning. The law didn't come till Moses. And the law was never intended to prevent sin. It's too weak for that. The law was not sent to save us from sin. It it cannot do that. It is not salvific. Paul says the law was added. Here's what the Bible says. To increase the trespass. Now that to me is a fascinating consideration. 
To, to try to understand the mind of God, and we will always struggle with that. He is so far above and beyond us. But the law was added to increase the trespass. I would tend to think the law serves some other purpose. To erase sin. Like it's a great big eraser. Don't y'all love erasers? Man, when you make a mess, get that thing out. Y'all remember when erasable ink came out? I think I was in sixth grade. That was a disaster. I'm a writing pen. Boy, I was ripping holes in my papers using those erasers. The, the law is not an eraser. Some people may think that the law, if, if, it, it would ease. We, we live in a day where we love things easy. Have y'all noticed that? I'm telling you what. Here's some investment advice from a preacher. If, a, if something comes available that makes life easier for Americans, put your money on that. We love easy. People thought Amazon was crazy when they first came on. They lost money for years. But now, don't we love it? Pull out your phone, click it. It comes to your house. I love it. Y'all know you don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. Did y'all know that? Some of y'all about to start shouting. <laughs> if you didn't know it, you can get an app. Tell them what you want. They'll bring it to your car. If you don't even want to drive your car there, you pay a little bit more. They'll bring it to your house. Glory to God. <laughs> yeah, that'll preach. Why? Because we love easy. And some people think, well, the law, does that make it easier? It doesn't erase it. It doesn't ease it. Some people thought, well, maybe there's a neutralizing force. We've got sin and death. We've got grace in life. Does the law neutralize it? You know, if I drink too much coffee, there's this thing called acid reflux. I can be up real late praying for all of y'all. But I'm telling you, the law is not our spiritual omeprazole to tamp it down. Thank you. I thought more of you might appreciate that. <laughs> I need to just make this mark. Spiritual omeprazole is a no-go. Are y'all okay? Paul says the law was added to increase the trespass. What does he mean? Let me tell you some things that it does. The law identifies sin. You wouldn't know what sin was without the law. God came and he said to his people, here are my laws. He gave them a law that related to every aspect of their lives. You wouldn't know what sin is without the law. You say, well, Jamie, we're not under law, so why do you keep talking about this? Go to the New Testament and you'll find a list of sins that relate to the law. You and I know how we ought not act, how we ought not be, how we ought not think, how we ought not treat one another. Why? Because the law identifies sin. Let me tell you what else the law did. It clarified sin. It dug down and made abundantly clear what's right and wrong. What do I mean? You don't know something is crooked until you compare it to something that is straight. And the law not only identifies, it clarifies what sin is. For It goes deeper. It makes abundantly clear 
what sin is, what it looks like. Well, it snowed here in 1993, the blizzard of 93. We had friends that came to stay with us because we didn't lose electricity. We still had heat. They had a white car. I thought a white car was white. But when you see a white car in a blizzard, you're going to find out it's not white. And by that I mean our best efforts may look good, but compared to the purity of God, it's not pure. See, see the law identifies, the law clarifies, the law clarifies what it is. But it also magnifies. When you and I understand what sin is, we understand how hurtful it is, how harmful it is, how deadly it is. And so Paul says that the law came to increase the trespass. But where the sin increased, he says grace super increased. Where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. It, the Bible says it super abounds. And then it tells us why in verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I told you to think in twos. This particular passage, he talked about Adam. He talked about Jesus. He talked about death. He talked about life. He talked about guilt. He talked about forgiveness. All these options that come to us in two. And that's just the way life is. It comes in twos. You say, what do you mean? Well, I mean, there's a choice. There's sin, there's grace. There's death, there's life. There's good, there's bad, there's sweet, there's salty, there's up, there's down, yes and no, stop and go, light and dark, wrong and right. There's always these options, these two things. And I'm telling you, before us always, there's these two roads, as it were. There's always options, and people are always choosing. Our lives have been consumed the last two weeks worrying, what's Harry going to do? Where are he and Megan going to live? Is he going to be his royal highness? What are they going to do? And he finally decided. What did he decide? He had two options, stay or go. This life or that life. I'm telling you, this little money or that bunch of money, that's what he had. England or Canada, what's it going to be? It's just a picture before him, generations before him. His, the king, Edward VIII, reigned from January to December, not a full year. Chose, here's the life, the king of England or marrying and living with the woman I love. He chose. And what I'm telling you is that every single day you and I choose. See, the work of the Holy Spirit is such that when you hear the Word of God and the truth of God's Word, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says to you, this is true. And the Holy Spirit tells you where you fit into this. The Holy Spirit will say, you're dead or alive. You're guilty or justified. And when the Holy Spirit of God makes that abundantly clear, then there's two roads before us. Jesus said there's a wide road and a narrow road. 
It's a wide gate and a narrow gate. These issues, these options, these choices, these determinations that we have to make. And so Paul lays out for the church at Rome that there is a way of death and a way of life. And when you hear that truth and the Holy Spirit of God makes it clear to you, then I think there is a choice to make. It is a choice to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, or to deny all of that even matters. And I'm telling you, you're choosing life or you are choosing death. And there are some people who will hear this sermon through one of the means in which it is shared. And there are some people who need to choose to follow Christ, who need to choose to hear what the Holy Spirit's been telling them, who need to choose to admit that they are sinners, that they are tied to Adam, but they want to be tied to Jesus. And it's relevant for those who've never trusted Christ, but friend, I'm telling you it's relevant for those of us who have chosen to follow Christ, because every single day, guess what we still battle? That former connection to Adam. We still battle this flesh that we inhabit. And every single day it's a choice for you and for me. To feed the flesh or feed the spirit. To follow Jesus or satisfy our sin. Robert Frost, we all read the poem, wrote The Road Not Taken. And he concludes it by describing two roads diverged in the wood... He said, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And his poem says, and that has made all the difference. Friend, I want to tell you, it makes all the difference, the road that you choose. Because the road that Jesus described as the wide road, I'm telling you, there's more folks on it. It may seem like there's more fun. It may seem like it's going somewhere far more exciting. But the narrow road is the road that leads to life. Which road do you choose? Pray with me. Father, today we love you. We're thankful for Jesus, grateful for his love, amazed at his grace. And I would pray that today, having heard your word that you inspired by your spirit for the Apostle Paul to write, that it would absolutely penetrate our hearts to see the difference between Adam and Christ, death and life, judgment and forgiveness, condemnation and justification. Lord, those two things always before us. Today, as we worship, Lord, through song, I pray you'd give us the courage to hear from you and to respond accordingly. For the one who needs to trust you as Lord and Savior, give them the courage to do that. To say, I choose life. I choose Jesus. I choose forgiveness. I choose grace. Lord, for those of us who have committed our lives to you, give us the courage every single day to realize the effects of sin, the danger of sin, the power of sin, and even in salvation, we must choose grace. So give us the grace that we need today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.